This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello. And welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia on Move Radio this Thursday afternoon or evening, depending what time zone you're in. It's definitely afternoon for us. Today we are going to be continuing our reading from Jumpstart Your Thinking by John C. Maxwell and relating it to line dance. As we last did our reading from day seven. Today we will be going from day eight to hopefully day 18 as it is the 18th of January. I'm definitely behind on jump-starting my thinking. How are you feeling on your thinking in this new year as it pertains to line dance? Hopeful. Nice. I think is the best way to describe that. Good. Okie dokie. Day eight. The first and most important step towards success is the expectation that we can succeed. Nelson Boswell. Yesterday, I stated that when you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. When your belief in your personal abilities changes, it will transform you. Why is that a foundational fact? Because a belief is not just an idea that you possess. It is an idea that possesses you. See what they did there? A belief holds great power because it changes an individual's expectations. Which brings us to step two. Changing your beliefs changes your expectations. When you begin to change your thinking and build your beliefs on a new foundation of personal growth, you have more than just hope and a dream to carry you forward. You will expect to achieve your goal because you determined to change yourself and you've done the hard work of changing to prepare for it. You're ready. You will expect to succeed. And you will. The words of billionaire entrepreneur Richard M. DeVos are true. The only thing that stands between a man and what he wants from life is often merely the will to try it and the faith to believe that it is possible. Continuing with yesterday's action, how does changing your beliefs about the ongoing obstacle to your progress change your expectations regarding it? Describe the change. Thoughts from Megan? (laughs) Um... I don't know, I'm still trying to get a handle on this one. Yeah, there's a lot of just verbal gymnastics they were talking, beliefs and expectations and believing that you can change your expectations and that. I I do know that when you start to change things from simply saying, like, I believe that I can as opposed to I believe that I can't, it's self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm -hmm. So you can start, if you start saying, I can then you're going to try it more likely and then you'll actually see some type of result versus if you can't, you're never going to try it in the first place. True. Yeah, it's like that. Um, the saying, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that that's one way. So if you, you're looking at this from a dance point of view, if you believe that you can't choreograph a dance or you believe that you can't learn that little bit harder dance or you believe that you can't do something, then... You can't. Hmm. But if you start looking into, okay, 
taking it step by step and knowing that even if you don't get the dance first try, that you have more of it than you did before you tried, you know, you're already progressing towards achieving that particular dance. The obstacle that I think that I had cited from yonder weeks ago was not experimenting enough and having that be a problem. Like, choreography isn't coming easily because I'm not really helping myself by experimenting more. Since then, I would say that we've played with a few things on a couple of tracks that we've been interested in. And I think we're very happy with how one of them is turning out to the point that we're going to submit it later today, which is the cutoff day. For Big Bang. <laughs> For Big Bang in Charlotte, North Carolina in a couple of weeks. So I think that uh, as, it, as it says here, um, continuing with yesterday's action has changed your beliefs about the ongoing obstacle to your progress, change your expectations regarding it, describe the change. I think that we were pretty right on in saying that... Um, actually doing things as opposed to just theorizing about them and having that be good enough does help toward a finished product. Wow. What a revelation. Turning the page. Okay. Day nine. There is no medicine like hope, no incentive so great and no tonic so powerful as expectation of something tomorrow. Orison, O-R-I-S-O-N, S. Marden. A dejected young man who had just had his palm read by a carnival fortune teller who told him that he would be poor and happy until he was 45. Let me reread that. A dejected young man had just had his palm read by a carnival fortune teller who told him that he would be poor and unhappy until he was 45. Then he had a thought. What will happen when I'm 45? She replied, You'll get used to it. Our expectations have a tremendous impact on our attitudes. Ben Franklin quipped, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall receive it. Negative expectations are a quick route to dead-end thinking. The good news is that when you change your thinking, you change your beliefs, which change your expectations, and changing your expectations changes your attitude. That is step three to changing yourself. How many successful people do you know who are apathetic or negative? Positive expectations bring a positive attitude. They produce excitement, conviction, desire, confidence, commitment, and energy. All characteristics that help a person to achieve success. If you would like to possess these qualities in greater abundance, raise your expectations. Continuing with yesterday's action, how does changing your expectations about the ongoing obstacle to your progress change your attitude regarding it? Okay, so I have a very, very recent, we're talking like last 10, 15 minutes recent example for this one. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really excited to get to work with two particular choreographers on a piece of music I fell in love with over two months ago. I have since found out that other choreographers plan to use that particular track at an upcoming event, and I was very disappointed. I'm still very disappointed. However, 
there is something to be said about thinking that I'm never going to find another piece of music to choreograph to. There's also something to be said, which is what I actually did, was said, okay, well, next track I find that we all like, we're going to jump on it. We're not going to wait anymore. And sure enough, the particular individual I was talking to pretty much agreed with me, and so we're going to you know, start looking for new music. Is it disappointing because I loved this track and I thought, you know, we would be able to do something amazing with it? Yes. Um, but I'm also not the type that likes to floor split if I can avoid it, generally speaking, as well as I know that I will find more music out there. This is not the only track in the world. So there's the idea of changing your thinking and your expectations I expect to be able to work with these people. Therefore, I am going to find a new track to work with them. As opposed to, I expected to choreograph specifically to this track, and now my life is over. (laughs) Big difference. I like it. Very healthy. (laughs) Yeah, I I had an experience recently of really liking a track and then showing it to a couple of the choreographers and thinking, I'll be fine. I'll be fine if they want to use it. Because they're probably going to do something really good with it. I think right now my uncertainty is they haven't told me, either of them, whether they are currently in the process of using that track. And that cutoff, as I mentioned, is today. So I'm wondering, should I wait until after cutoff dates before I share these kinds of tracks with people that I really like or would want to work on with people? Or should I just say, you know what? As long as the dance ends up good, it doesn't matter who does it. I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. There is just so much music in the world. My wish list is very long for tracks that I want to work on. So this this track is not the be-all, end-all. And who knows? Maybe neither of them touched it and I can just enter it into the next choreography competition. It just won't be this one. And that's okay. And if they did, well... Then at least there's a dance. Yeah, exactly. I've, at this point, wanted to just dance to this track since I heard it. So I'm glad it's them and it's not just going to be some step touch, step touch. Doesn't feel like the song at all, but I would feel bad about floor splitting it kind of a track slash dance. Day 10. Our emotions are the driving powers of our lives. Earl Riney. Have you ever observed how your mood affects the way you act? When you feel particularly happy, are you more energized and more likely to be kind to others? And do you take on tasks tasks, more readily and complete them with confidence and competence? How about when you're having a really bad day? Do you get less work done and are less patient with your family and colleagues? An attitude is little more than a mood or predominant emotion sustained over time. It is the advance man of our true selves. Its roots are inward, but its fruit is outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our words. It is an outward look based on past experiences. It is a thing that draws people to us or repels them. It is never content until it is expressed. It is the librarian of our past, the speaker of our present, and the prophet of our future. Psychologist William James said, 
That which holds our attention determines our action. In other words, your behavior follows your attitude. The two cannot be separated. This brings us to the importance of step four in changing yourself. Changing your attitude changes your behavior, and that changes everything. Continuing with yesterday's action, yesterday's, how does changing your attitude about the ongoing obstacle to your progress change your behavior regarding it? Well, I think first and foremost, it is it starts with your actual perception or your thinking. Um, for instance, perfect example, like I said, is, you know, here I was very much looking forward to this track. I was very much looking forward to working with these individuals. Yes, I got disappointed. I then was able to take my thought process and allowed myself being like, okay, realistically, yes, it was a really good track. But that doesn't mean that there isn't another one you're going to find. So start focusing on that, which then allowed me to start thinking that way. Had I focused solely on the disappointment, I would have been very unbearable to be around because I would have been sulking and I probably would have been very lethargic in the sense and very monotone and not really energetic whatsoever. But being able to switch over to the, okay, well, no, 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 there, there'll there be other tracks that, that we'll find one. It's not like this was the be all end all and the only chance we were going to get. So, okay, um, let's go this way. Now I'm able to be like, all right, new challenge. New obstacle is finding a new track, which I happen to actually enjoy finding music. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So now I have a more positive, more, okay, challenge accepted kind of personality, which then you're, you don't have to suffer while you're around me. <laughs> I appreciate so, that. <laughs> so it really does, it does change when you start thinking about things in a more positive manner your attitude for the day changes. Same thing with, I don't think people have bad days. I think bad things happen in the day. Because I also think good things have happened in that day too. For instance, starting like you woke up. That's a good thing in my book. So it's just a matter of what perspective you hold on to and what experience you hold on to and let um, dictate how you're going to proceed throughout your day. Mm. Yeah, something that I thought was interesting that I heard about meditation a while back was that you can do it anywhere. You don't have to be in ideal conditions where everything's quiet and restful and easy. You can do it in the middle of an airport waiting room. And initially you might think, well, what about all the noises? What about all the distractions? What about all the stuff that you know tries to draw your attention? But like, no, no, that's part of it. That's part of the meditation. Like you're not, you're not necessarily supposed to just sit and try to think of nothing and have no challenge involved. Like if there's a sound that grabs your attention, you say, Oh, that is a sound. And then you let it go. And you know, if, if let's say I were to do something like that early in the morning, garbage trucks and birds and cars starting are all going on outside. They're all part of the meditation too. So you're just, supposed to notice it you're not supposed to necessarily do anything about it and if you feel yourself getting angry if it's affecting your attitude well then just notice that and say oh 
interesting that it would have that effect. And then after a while, you notice, oh, garbage truck is not there anymore. The uh, the sounds on the loudspeaker in the airport, those aren't there anymore. The guy sneezing next to me on the plane, he's not there anymore. He's gone somewhere else. All these things, they come and they go. Hmm. And you just embrace whatever is next in the moment. Similarly, if you are teaching a lesson, let's say let's say you're doing like a, a practice teach uh, for some other huge teach, massive, you're going to the Crystal Buddha Awards or something and you're going to teach there, but you want to test it first. So you test it on maybe your local class. And afterwards, they give you all this feedback. And they say, oh, well, this thing was, you know, this, the floor was sticky, so this part was kind of hard, and I thought this part was kind of fast, and, and you think, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't want, like, you know, the feedback and the negativity, I just wanted you to say nice things. I, I, this was a practice of me receiving all the nice things. That way I'll be ready for all those nice things at the awards. Like, uh, that's not, uh, you know, the, all, the whole package is part of the practice. So if you're not intending to change your dance at all, then you're going to get those same comments when you do the big teach. Uh, and if you don't intend to change your dance, well then, the practice helps you get ready and prepare your attitude for when you do receive those comments later. And if you are going to change your dance in any way before the big teach, then thank goodness you got all of that feedback when you did and not at the big teach. So it's all all of the you know the things that you think of are as the good things, the preferable things, and the things that you don't enjoy as much. It's all part of it. It's all part of the same lump of experience. And what you do about it is, and uh, what you what attitude you allow yourself to have about it is what will affect your next steps and where you choose to go with everything you've just experienced. And as you've experienced, you know, in saying what you've said, you can take all of those things and say, well, that was it. I'm done. That was the one song, my one chance. I retire. <laughs> uh, you can do that or you can just be even more proactive and say, nope, we're jumping on the next one. That's it. Who knows? Maybe the next track will be even better and you'll be happier to have that released as quickly as possible, rather than have that be the long drawn out process where nobody else is releasing anything. So there's no urgency. And then, you know, maybe you never get around to it and somebody breaks an ankle and they can't collaborate. Anything could happen. But now you have uh, the gift of this new urgency that everybody involved agrees is a good thing. Yeah. Day 11. We do not suddenly become what we do not cooperate in becoming. William J. Bennett. That's not confusing. <laughs> we do not suddenly become what we do not cooperate in becoming. <laughs> William J. Bennett. In my 20s, I enjoyed the game of golf, but my performance left a lot to be desired. A golf professional advised me that I would never improve unless I changed my grip. He showed me the proper way to hold the club, which felt terrible to me. When I complained that I didn't know if I'd ever be able to do it that way, he answered, Then you'll never get any better. 
My performance depended on a change in behavior that first required a change in my attitude. The steps I went through to change my golf game are the same steps required in changing ourselves. Changing your thinking changes your beliefs. Changing your beliefs changes your expectations. Changing your expectations changes your attitude. Changing your attitude changes your behavior. And step five, changing your behavior changes your performance. Don't ever be too impressed with goal setting. Be impressed with goal getting. Reaching new goals and moving to a higher level of performance, that is what you do on a constant basis, always requires change, and change feels awkward. But take comfort in the knowledge that if a change doesn't feel uncomfortable, it's probably not really a change. Continuing with yesterday's action, how does changing your behavior about the ongoing obstacle to your progress change your performance regarding it? Okay, so there's a few things that kind of come to mind of this. Um, I was speaking with a couple people in regards to starting to train for solo line competitions. And I was saying how I'm really, really excited to find the areas in which I struggle with because I'm excited about the aha moment that follows that struggle. That means that I've improved. That means I've understood the concept. I know that in order for me to really understand something, I have to struggle with the concept of it first because that is going to force me into really analyzing it, taking it it in, absorbing it, um, trying different applications to really grasp it. And then once it happens, you feel it and you feel great about it because you know you've struggled so long with this particular change. And then once you get it, you feel like the whole world just fell into place. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, another thing I was actually thinking of was um, it kind of you in particular and your sleep habits as of late. That's a pretty big change on your part. What changed? <laughs> well, I don't know. Why don't you tell me about your uh, no screens and your getting up early and your having breakfast and not being late, late and really getting a jump start on the day. Okay. Uh, well, I guess in the last few days since Monday, I, well, let's see, it would have been Monday night because Sunday night we were out late. <laughs> <laughs> we were at a, a place called Jackson in San Francisco that we saw for the first time. Uh, apparently they do line dance there and they've been doing that for, I guess a year and we just never heard about it. Um, Monday night, I was feeling sick all day Monday, like sniffles and my voice wasn't super sustained uh, during my singing gigs. Um, it was just a rough sniffly day. I even had to call out of one of them because I just, I knew it wasn't going to go well. Uh, that night, I, I attempted and I guess executed a few of the sleep things that I had heard about, like... Uh, well, also, I should mention, I finally got this alarm clock that I had been looking forward to using for the longest time. Uh, ages and ages ago, I dated somebody who had um, hearing impairment, and she had a special alarm clock that rumbled, because she wouldn't be able to hear a lot of different uh, alarms, but she would be able to feel the vibration of this little disc that's connected to the alarm clock, uh, 
if it's slipped between your mattress and box spring, for example. And I thought, oh, what a neat idea. And I had long wanted to use earplugs when I sleep because I share a house with a few other people who rent here and it can get a little noisy. People coming and going, uh, middle of the night, cooking at 3 a.m. You never know what's going to happen. So I'd wanted to use earplugs, but I also knew that I wouldn't be able to hear my alarm. Well, this new clock finally came in the mail and I decided I was going to test it out and... I thought, well, you know, with the earplugs, I'll do some of the other things all at the same time. So one of them was go to sleep at before 11 was what was recommended. I was listening to Tim Ferriss podcast where he was talking about sleep tips and a lot of people find that 630 is a good time to wake up and 11 o'clock before 11 o'clock is when people get the best sleep. If the, if they're asleep before or by eleven, so uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll test that out. I'd also heard that turning off your screens an hour before bedtime is helpful for sleep because it helps your brain calm down and relax and not be so on. Uh, so I thought, all right, I can do that too. So uh, for the past few nights, I've been. I mean, my phone or my, my, my watch already was doing this thing. I did it ages and ages ago um, where it'll go off at 10. And I think a long time ago, I thought, well, that's a good time to know that I should be heading toward bed. And it didn't mean that I would be doing anything close to that. It, but, uh, you know, it's a nice thought. Well, in these last few nights, I have been doing that. 10 o'clock is when I turn everything off um, on Monday and Tuesday night. I think, no, 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 not Monday night, but on Tuesday night, I left my phone in the car to charge just because I knew I didn't need it. Monday night, I still needed to test that I would hear the alarm and feel the new new alarm uh, so that I could go to my gigs uh, for Tuesday morning. So screens off at 10, close laptop, don't use phone. Last night, I just turned the phone off completely. Uh, do whatever you want for an hour. In the last hour of the day, I've been reading. Um, Monday night, I didn't want to use my electric overhead light, so I was just using candles, but I couldn't really read by the candles that I have. So I just kind of looked at the candle and just like watched the candle and contemplated it for about 20 minutes before sleep. That was fun. Uh, It's weird. Like Your mind will find anything uh, in motion amusing when there's nothing else to amuse it. So yeah, um, winding down 10 to 11, no screens. Also, try not to have food is what I've heard uh, within three hours of bedtime because all that food will wake you back up. Um, I've been having chamomile tea and my melatonin uh, from Costco. And those are both helpful in helping you wind down. In the morning, 6 a.m., well, not 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., the little vibrating thing goes off. And before I can think or do anything or contemplate turning off the alarm and going back to sleep, oh, also, the thing to turn off my alarm is on the far side of a table that I have to get up and walk to to turn off. Once I'm on my feet, no thinking, just go straight to the shower, turn it on, take a shower, all that physical activity and getting the blood flowing wakes you back up. And after shower, uh, I've been coming back and doing yoga Not like, you know, super intense 
routine or anything, but just a few stretches like, you know, sun salutation, opening up the hips a little, definitely opening up the abdomen and chest, uh, doing like upward dog and cobra uh, and just kind of hanging out in that position for a while. I am, I've never been good at downward dog. My uh, hamstrings and calves are very tight. So that is a difficult position for me to stay in for very long. Um, just everything's tight in the back. Like, yeah, this downward dog to describe it for people who've never seen it before is like, um, imagine going from a push-up position into sticking your butt way up in the air, but keeping your hands and feet where they were. So you're, you're making kind of a triangle where your hips are at the top of the triangle and then your hands and feet are the other points of the triangle. Um, yeah, so then um, after a few minutes of that, just standing up, uh, feet a little bit wider than shoulder width apart, and tilting to the left, tilting to the right, uh, just kind of getting everything stretched out so that everything after that is easier. Just moving, life, you know, uh, all of those things are easier to do. There have been many times, this is probably the contrast you're talking about, where I'll just roll out of bed into some clothes and head to a gig with no food, uh, maybe caffeine if I can remember to do like an instant coffee packet in a bottle of water, uh, or stick um, you know a, a tea bag, a green or black tea bag into a bottle of water, an apple if I have any presence of mind, um, and and then I'll go to whatever my gig is, and that will be the me that they get. <laughs> And of course, uh, there's you know energy and and zest in the the music that I do, so it's it's easy enough to um, to not notice that there's anything you know visibly different or or weird about you know me. But inside, I'm feeling like I'm still waking up for the first 15 minutes of those songs. Uh, I don't like. I don't like giving that version of me to anybody, whether it's, you know, us going to Dolly's beginner line dance class on Thursdays, where again, roll out into some jeans and a a dance t-shirt and get there and still kind of be waking up in time for doing stitches and skinny jeans and won't back away and whatever else she has going on. I'd rather feel like I'm fully ready. I've been up for an hour and a half. I'm ready to really, you know, give it my best self and um, I've also heard you should eat within the first half hour of being awake because it gets the metabolism going. So I've been doing that as well. Um, wake up, shower, do your stretches, and just something simple, something I can digest that early. I really don't like to do eggs, like scrambled eggs with all the butter that I like to have on it, that early in the morning after having just woken up. So I've been doing like yogurt and an apple and an orange. I just read a bodybuilding book where they talk about how an orange should be one of the f- things that you have for breakfast every day. I don't remember why they said. I think it's something about potassium. But, uh, well, I have a box full of oranges. I'll try that out this morning. So I did. Um, and then, about an hour into this whole morning wake-up business, if you even notice that you haven't been using your screens or your phone, it feels like you don't even really want to because it's been so nice. 6.30 a.m., nobody's up, so you're off the radar, nobody's expecting you, nobody's calling you, and you've had your phone off all night, so there are no messages or, or alarms or emergencies to attend to. So then by around 7.30 or 8 o'clock, when you feel like it, you can be like, okay, I had my me time, I'm fed, 
I'm awake. I guess I'll see what the rest of the world is doing. Or you can just read a book for the next half hour, (laughs) which I did today. So yeah, this has been different. I have enjoyed it. And it's not something that's been forced on me. It's just when it felt like a natural time to want to do these things. And in the past, when I've done these kinds of things, it's been like, you know, New Year's resolution, do all these things, and then stuff is going to happen. And then you miss a day. And then you're like, oh, nothing changed. Why did I go through all this work to do all this stuff? I guess I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Nothing really matters. Everything is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, they just sleep in forever and stay up on Reddit or YouTube until 2 a.m. Uh, but these last few days have been nice because I haven't been doing it for anything. I've just been kind of testing it. Nobody's stopping me, and I like it. So we'll see what happens with it. And I'm not sure where it was that, that you, you found that in the book, but... Uh, <laughs> um, just the idea of change. Ah. It's been something you've been talking about doing for a while and finally put into practice. That's true. So it's the idea of changing your behavior. Your behavior. Yeah, it changes your performance. That's true. And then you've, you've even said how you like uh, getting a jump on the day before the day can jump on you. Yes, also, I, I find it very comforting that in the reading that I've done about sleep things, they say that you will be the most uh, tired because of natural rhythms uh, during the middle of your sleep cycle and 12 hours later. So I think it was, it was uh, related to driving that I was reading this. It said that if you know that you're going to be driving, try to avoid the time 12 hours after the middle of when you would normally be sleeping because that's when your cycle will come back around and I do find that I often want to nap and I think oh well if I'm getting seven and a half or eight hours of sleep I'm getting all my full circadian rhythms in or whatever like why why do I still want to nap there must be something wrong with me maybe I should be staying up till 2 a.m. and getting six hours of sleep because then I don't need a nap I don't know like Reading that it's okay to want that nap and just knowing that there are cultures out in the world who sleep for a few hours, they siesta or whatever, and then they stay up later. Like I like that it's okay to want to do that because then I can do all these nice nighttime things and morning things and still take a little nap halfway through the day yep. as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> oh, What I was looking at with changing your behavior changes your performance is that, uh, I think we've talked about this before, like, it feels good to grind and grind and grind and try to get through this obstacle, and then at the other end of it, you're like, ah, cool, I got it, hooray. But you can also trick yourself into thinking, like, let's say there are these different levels of challenge, and... You could spend a long time on a challenge that shouldn't take a long time and still feel accomplished when instead you could have breezed past that part and done... Like, let's say you were grinding on some level one challenge, like trying to remember who sang some song in the 1970s or whatever. And then once you remember that, you know, there's this other challenge of, okay, what are some other songs that sound like that? But if you spend all your time trying to remember who sang that song, 
then by the time you've accomplished that, then you don't really feel like going on to the next one. You'll be like, I don't know, there are some other songs and it doesn't really matter what they are. You can Google in a second who sang some song and then you can move on to the higher level challenge of what are some other songs that are like this? And even beyond that, you can start saying, okay, well, what song could I do that sounds like this? Because I really like this song. Now you're in like a creative mode. You could really make something of that challenge, but you instead just tell yourself, no, I don't want to look at my phone. I just want to, I want to grind and then feel good about this other super simple thing. Imagine it in dance terms where if you are working on something that you know you can fix fairly quickly versus getting past that actually quickly and moving on to something that will help you actually grow more. If you're scared to get to that part because you really don't know if you can master that other thing, but instead you'd rather do the thing that, yeah, you probably could do, but you want to make it look like it's really difficult. That way, you know, when somebody says, oh, is this really hard? You're like, oh, let me try it one more time. And then you do it and you're great. And hooray, you, you mastered it. You know, you could have been past that a while ago and you could have done the hard thing that's scary to show people that you don't know. But it feels good either way, so why not just cheat and do the easier one and make that into a harder thing than it should be so you can feel the good feelings from getting it. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. <laughs> Day 12. <laughs> it is the man who carefully advances step by step, with his mind becoming wider and wider and progressively better able to grasp any theme or situation, who is bound to succeed in the greatest degree. Alexander Graham Bell When you change your performance, you have the power to reach step six. Changing your performance changes your life. Here's how it has worked out in my life. Four and a half decades ago, let's just say I was less than an inspiring speaker. To change my performance, I knew that I could not approach communication in the same way mentally and still perform differently. I began by studying respected speakers, how they connected with their audiences, and I copied them. It took me eight challenging years to learn how to be myself before an audience and to develop my own style. Becoming a better communicator required a whole new way of thinking, and it felt uncomfortable. But I did it. And each year I speak in person to more than 350,000 people. I'm still a student of communication. I know that if I keep improving my thinking, it will impact my beliefs, which change my expectations, which affect my attitude, which changes my behavior, which improves my performance, and that will change my life. Continuing with yesterday's action, how does changing your performance about the ongoing obstacle to your progress change your life? I feel like he's really stretching out these 90 days of improvement I did too, because I feel like it's still kind of the same thing. Because, I don't know, it's just... Changing your performance. I mean, obviously you have to start somewhere else, but if you change your performance, that's where it's 
that's your actions you actually take. Sounds a lot like behavior. Yeah. So, I guess as you improve. Let's see. So, let me read that paragraph that he last did here. I know that if I keep improving my thinking, it will impact my beliefs, which change my expectations, which affect my attitude, which changes my behavior, which improves my performance. And that will change my life. Day 13. For the flower... To <laughs> We're just going to skip that one because that's the same thing. For the flower to blossom, you need the right soil as well as the right seed. The same is true to cultivate good thinking. William Bernbach. Becoming a good thinker isn't overly complicated. It's a discipline. And like most disciplines, it can be cultivated and refined. That's why over the next eight days, I want to teach you the process that I've used to discover and develop good thoughts. It's certainly not the only one that works, but it has worked well for me. First, you need to find a place to think your thoughts. Where is the best place to think? Everybody's different. For some people, it's in the shower or going to a park. For me, the best places to think are in the thinking chair in my home office and in the pool while I'm swimming laps. I keep my iPad or a pen and paper on my nightstand for ideas that come to me when I'm in bed. I believe I often get thoughts because I make it a habit to frequently go to my thinking places. If you want to consistently generate ideas, you need to do the same thing. Find a place where you can think and plan to capture your thoughts on paper so that you don't lose them. When I found a place to think my thoughts... My thoughts found a place in me. If you don't already have a good thinking place, you need to find one. Where will you choose to create your thoughts? I think this is a good thing to have. I think there's there's several things that you can take from this. One, just in general, a spot where you can be alone, you can be quiet, you can be engaged with what's going on for self-reflection, um, I do a lot of stuff. Um, I have a couple different spots and mostly they're in nature where only I know about my spot. I don't bring anybody else to it uh, just so that I always have that option of going by myself and really just reflecting um, on what's going on. And I mean, sometimes it's, it can be really interesting, especially once you're in um, a nature environment too because you can see you know like well, there's water nearby there's you know birds flying around and it's like there's different things that are happening um when I used to work with the kids um last year I even had a spot that I would walk out to on my breaks that I would take you know five ten minutes just to kind of recollect myself to then go back into the chaos that was <laughs> my life um I think it's very important to be able to have that place. With that said, and it can, this will actually segue into the next sec thing I say, is it needs to be somewhere where you feel safe and comfortable. And that will allow you to really go and create something and assess things and breathe and really discover what's going on with yourself as well as take it to the next level if you're going to create something. That segues into when you're learning a dance or creating a dance. The environment in which you do both of those things needs to be very comfortable, very 
inviting, very warm, very happy, very positive. It needs to be safe um, because it can be a very vulnerable place in which you are learning and creating something that you go out there and you're expressing yourself and you don't want to be rejected. That's very easily something that will discourage you from learning again or discourage you from trying to create something. If you're able to have this really safe place, you're able to go there, you're able to create there, you're able to really express yourself there, um, which then in turn goes on to your instructors if you're learning that they really do need to make it a very healthy environment to learn. Um, you know, having people have fun is crucial, but you have to be careful on how you have fun. Like, you don't want to necessarily have fun at other people's expenses. That's, you know, something that you have to be very careful with. Um, and, you know, people can get very embarrassed if you call them out on something. Um, it's a lot of reasons why... People don't speak up during classes. They don't want to admit that they're not understanding something, um, which is why it's on the instructor to then really pay attention to where people are struggling and how they're doing with things. Um, you're creating that space. You're creating that environment that people are able to think and create and learn in that particular place. And as both a instructor and a student, I find it crucial that it needs to be warm and welcoming and, you know, everybody is a friend kind of situation. In the past, we've talked about um, the ideal line dance venue. And one of the things that helps create that is a sense of detachment from the outside world. And I remember there was one place that we were instructing at semi-recently some months ago we we discontinued that program um for a variety of reasons that we talked about in previous episodes and i remember one off-putting thing about the floor there was that you can see through the window and see all of the people passing by who don't know about line dance and don't have their own personal investment or buy-in um, so they could, in theory, you know, from from your perspective on the dance floor, judge you like pointing and laughing at the monkeys at the zoo or something because uh, they don't they don't have any reason not to. They're safe on the other side of the glass. You're the one who's doing some movement that you don't know if you feel comfortable doing yet. And they get to stand and walk around and not put themselves at risk at all. Like you're not going to be on the dance floor pointing and laughing at them. You know, you're doing a dance, you're moving around. You don't have time for that. Yeah. Uh, so you might not feel as comfortable learning a new dance. That might be why some of the people there were slower to embrace new dances. And instead they chose to do a lot of the same ones they'd been doing since 2011. Uh, they were comfortable doing those. They had been doing them for years. And they would see us teach these new dances and hang out by the bar and then when it was time to do the ones they knew, they would come out and do their dances. I think it can be scary to put yourself out there and not feel like you're a master at your craft. So better just not to take the risk when there's nothing 
at stake. They're not paying cover to get in, so it's not like they feel like they need to get their money's worth by by paying for a lesson and then taking the lesson. They didn't pay for anything, so they can just do what they want. Uh, having that sense of detachment from anybody who's outside of the event makes you feel like only the people who want to be there are there. And even just doing something as simple as a cover charge helps create that filter as well because people could come in and sit at the bar and only be there to drink. And again, they have no investment. They could point and laugh and cause a scene and then leave and they didn't lose anything. So that might discourage dancers from taking risks or trying a new substitution of the grapevine into rolling vine or something else. Um, As far as places to think... I definitely do a lot of that in my car. It is and has long been a sanctuary for me, whichever car it was that I was driving at the time, going back several years, I would sometimes during the summer on nice days, I would just find a nice tree to park under and stick my feet out the window and read a book and just be there in my space because I don't have to pay rent in my car except you know, insurance. Uh, It's something I own and I can take it with me wherever I go. Uh, There's no landlord to raise the, the, the rent or kick me out or anything like that. There's just me and where I feel like going and reclining. And I like that a lot. So it, it allows me, that safety allows me to stretch my mind open and and consider new possibilities for movement and music. And also the sound system allows me to hear things in music that I might not if I were just playing it from my phone or even with headphones. Sometimes you miss things. Having multiple speakers all around you at full, or not full blast, but, you know, responsible and safe blast. Uh, that that can make you think, oh, you know, what would be really cool to hit when the volume gets to there is do this thing with your legs or whatever. Uh, also, having some garage space is nice. Uh, and as they were saying here, you need the right soil as well as the right seed. <clears throat> I think this applies also to the clothes that you wear when doing experimentation. Like I mentioned these things about the morning... And I have clothes that I wear when I'm sleeping, pajamas. And I actually, after my shower, I've been changing into this other set of comfortable clothes that are not street clothes. I wouldn't wear this outfit outside the house, but it's just like, you know, a pair of basketball shorts and a t-shirt, but I wouldn't sleep in them either. It's just something that's comfortable, something I can move around in. I can have breakfast in, but it does not signal to me it's time to go to sleep. I like the idea of wearing certain things that prepare your mind to do certain things. If I'm wearing pajamas, uh, I guess my body should start getting sleepy now. Uh, But if I'm changing out of them, then it means it's time to do something else. And if you are experimenting with dance things, then consider having a loose-fitting outfit that you feel comfortable in. Uh, Like for me, it would be my loose-fitting gray pants, that are not like the height of fashion or anything, but they are what I feel comfortable moving in. And I know I accept myself wearing them. I don't judge myself for, I don't know, looking (laughs) semi, um, 
disheveled. <laughs> <coughs> I just enjoy wearing them. And then having a, a t-shirt or something on top of that, I can move around in that. I can test out different movements and, and uh, experiment with my range of motion. Also, there's something to be said for wearing what you will probably be wearing in the environment where, you're act- where you will actually be doing that dance. If I'm not actually going to wear something like that on a dance floor, then probably other people are not going to wear that either. So their experience of the dance is going to be very different. So then the responsible thing to do is to put on the tightness of jeans that you will actually have on and the formality of shirt that you'll actually have on when you do this dance in a ballroom and then see how does the dance feel? How does it change when you are putting yourself in that environment, so to speak, of clothing? (coughs) The air today (coughs) is very dry. Anyway, um... Going from one to the other, it's sort of like um, brainstorming and allowing everything to happen and being in that safe place for thought, safe place for motion, loose, accepting, closed off, unseen, and then editing can be some of the other things. You know, maybe you're, you dress a little differently. Uh, you dress, as they say... Um, you fight the way you train and you know, if you're dressing like you're going to to dance it, then you'll have yourself in that mindset. And then you can start thinking about, okay, well, what would this movement look like if a bunch of other people around could actually see what I'm doing? Would I still do this movement? You don't want to cut yourself off early in the process. Allow yourself to do it while you're brainstorming. But once you feel comfortable with it, test it out in the way that you would actually out in public doing this with other people? Is this something you want to subject other people to? Because they will have to do this too. When when you release this dance, it's not just you anymore. Now it's, will other people enjoy doing what you've told them that they are supposed to do for these counts? Right soil, right seed. So yeah, car, there are some places in nature, I've noticed, and we've talked about this before, being up high whether it's in the top floor of a hotel looking out on the tiny little people below or being in a plane looking out the window at the tiny little mountains below, um, I I like having that sense of perspective and detachment. And that also allows me to think big picture thoughts, long-term thoughts, overall shape of things. I wonder if there's anywhere else. Being exposed to random fluctuations and perturbations like looking at leaves moving in the trees or looking at ripples on water or watching waves just being kind of overwhelmed and immersed and surrounded by unpredictable natural movements that all kind of balance each other that helps me find where my thoughts balance into all of that so kind of echoing what you were mentioning about nature Day 14. Learning to write is learning to think. You don't know anything clearly unless you can state it in writing. S.I. Hayakawa. To become a good thinker, the second thing you need to do is to find a place to shape your thoughts. 
This may or may not be the same place as your thinking place. Rarely do ideas come fully formed and completely worked out. Most of the time, they need to be shaped until they have substance. As my friend Dan Ryland says, they have to stand the test of clarity and questioning. During the shaping time, you want to hold an idea up to strong scrutiny. Many times the thought that seemed outstanding late at night looks pretty silly in the light of day. You can shape your thoughts almost anywhere. Just find a place that works for you, where you will be able to write things down, focus your attention without interruptions, and ask questions about your ideas. By asking questions, you gain perspective on your ideas. Fine-tune them. One of the best ways to do that is to put your thoughts in writing. As you shape your thoughts, you find out whether an idea has potential. You also learn some thoughts about yourself. As I have tried to shape my thoughts, I have often realized that my thoughts have shaped me. Describe one of the current ideas that you've been thinking about and begin to shape it here. Put your thoughts, including your questions about your idea, in writing and fine-tune them. This has a little bit... (laughs) Um, He's making fun of me because I'm playing with my nails. (laughs) Um, This has a little bit to do with what I had discussed earlier about finding a a safe environment to create something or to learn something. But um, it made me think of one of the dances we've recently choreographed, how we started in one place, we moved to another place, and we pretty much got a handle on it. And then we both decided, okay, well, let's film it real quick so we don't forget what we changed about it. And we'll do it tomorrow on a decent floor and see how it feels. And then you know, we'll sleep on it for now. And then we both really still liked it the next day. And then from there, we're like, okay, let's see if anybody would be willing to learn this or at least demo it and tell us what they think. And, you know, go from there. And so like, we still really like the combinations that we've come up with. We still really enjoy how they flow together with the music. So okay, now that it's been a couple days, and we've slept on it here and there, and we've let it go and come back to it. Let's go ahead, and since we still like it, let's put it out there. It's kind of one of those situations where they were saying, uh, what looks good tonight might not look good at the you know, the light of the day. Um, I'm very much a believer in, okay, let's sleep on it. Let's see if we still like it. Or even um, when you're getting frustrated learning something, sometimes it's good to walk away and then come back to it and see how you feel and how you're doing and whatnot. So that's kind of where I was going thinking wise. Well, I guess I've kind of mentioned some of this already with the editing process and how that's different from like the brainstorming and creation of idea process or capturing ideas. I think it is important to question and accept questions about your ideas because if you find yourself getting defensive about them, then you probably want to know why. Like, if you're able to at least answer questions about why why is this movement here? It's not somebody saying, that movement is a terrible movement, you're a bad person for thinking it, and I can't <laughs> believe you would make anyone else do that. It's, what is it in the music that you heard that made you want to put this here? And you might be able to say, oh, well, actually, okay, so in the third verse, there's this one part where it goes da-da-da, and I really wanted to be sure that somewhere in the dance we hit that da-da-da, because somebody is going to hear that and they'll be like, oh, I see what they did there. Or you might be thinking, oh, um, 
Yeah, sorry, that was actually just a, a filler step. I was hoping that no one would notice that, but thank you for pointing it out because now I know I can't get away with any little old thing that I want to. <laughs> and it feels bad at the time, but you have an opportunity now to put something really cool there instead. I think that was one of the things with uh, the process of putting together this most recent dance of ours uh, that was kind of uncomfortable but necessary. Replacing things that were legitimately just filler steps that kind of work, but they were intended to just be filler steps that you know one could get attached to if you do them enough times. If you open yourself to the idea or open yourself to the question of why these steps? Why here? Why not eight counts later? Why not a quarter? Why why a half? All these questions that you're like, I don't know, it was just supposed to be filler. <laughs> well, then you can think, okay, let's let's look at the question, what could be better here? What does happen in the music during those filler counts? Well, I guess I never noticed before that they kind of say this one thing. Okay, what would be a way of capturing that one thing in movement? Well, I thought about doing this part, but, you know, there's just no way to transition into you know, getting into it and then getting out of it. It would be really awkward. Okay, so, okay, let's imagine, what if it weren't awkward? What if it weren't impossible? What would that look like? Well, and then the magic happens. <laughs> and then the thing that you wanted to pull off is pull offable, and it's not awkward. Because, of course, you were imagining what would it be like if it was not awkward. You're not going to get an thinking. awkward thing. That's right. So now we have a really cool and catchy and memorable open opening eight counts where before there was overt filler. <laughs> And the ending has this really cute part that sticks out in doing it and in seeing it on video. And it has this really cool lift part right afterwards that matches the lift part of the music. And most of that was also filler before as well. Very passable, doable filler, but filler nonetheless. <clears throat> and a lot of it is just opening yourself up to the question of how could this be better or what would this look like if we did the opposite? Or what if we put the and a beat earlier in between these two counts instead of between these two counts? Oh, it hits that thing that happens in this other part of the song when really you thought the only way to hit that section was putting the and where you had it because it hits this other part in this part of the song. But it still hits something if you move it just a little earlier. Whoa. It's a lot that happens when you ask questions and are open to reshaping your thoughts. Like fancy feet work. <laughs> Yay. Day 15. <clears throat> Thought is perhaps the forerunner and even the mother of ideas. And ideas are the most powerful and the most useful things in the world. George Gardner. If you come upon great thoughts and spend time mentally shaping them, don't stop there. If you do, you'll miss some of the most valuable aspects of the thinking process. If you really want to take an idea to the highest level, find people to stretch your thoughts. 
Ask others to help you expand your ideas to their greatest potential. I found a formula that can help. It says the right thought plus the right people in the right environment at the right time for the right reason equals the right result. This combination is hard to beat. Here's why. When you expose the seed of the right idea to the right people, that original thought often grows, along with its vision, power, and impact. Who are the right people to stretch a vision? They are the ones who love you and embrace your vision, who know you and strengthen your vision, and who complement you and enlarge your vision. They are the few who stretch a thought before you land it with many. Make it a goal to find people who will stretch you to your potential and add value to you in areas that are important to you. Who are the good thinking partners in your life? List all of the Megans here and describe how they stretch your thoughts. If you don't have any Megans, begin seeking out some. <laughs> yes, you're definitely one of the first people to come to my mind. You are certainly someone who has encouraged me and helped me pursue things that originally by myself I would have convinced myself were unobtainable mm. um, I like how you're able to help me build on my ideas and you're very accepting even if my ideas make absolutely no sense um, I try and be the same like line dance in space <laughs> I haven't quite got there yet I'm working on it I'm really trying. <laughs> I'm still trying to get there myself. <laughs> I think it can happen. Exactly. So I'm trying. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to figure out something to help you with that one. But um, no, it's... I have been extremely fortunate that all of my co-choreography experiences have been with you so far. I think um, the communication that we have obtained up to this point has really allowed for some extreme growth on both of our processes. Um, I know that you're willing to look at things from a more like, okay, maybe not everybody can do this move position. And I'm willing to look at things in a little bit more funky out of the box kind of situation. And then like meet in the middle. Whereas before I would be very uh, that's a little bit too uncomfortable. I don't know. That's putting myself out there a little bit too far. And you're like, you know, in the ethers. <laughs> Space even. <laughs> um, and so I think we've really been able to grow and expand our knowledge. Um, and then we have amazing mentors like Rachel and Joe that we're able to turn to. People like Michael and Michelle who were able to ask questions for um, people who, like Dolly and Jeff, who give us the opportunities to teach. Um, they really help us grow in an environment that's very accepting and very nurturing and challenging in the good way that you need it to be. Um, you know, we have some amazing people in our line dance club at Sonoma state that have just, certainly worked their way into my heart for sure that 
have challenged my way of thinking and preparing for things to be more professional and more inclusive, I think. Um, I'm really looking forward to my new adventure with Kat and how she's going to challenge me that way. Um, so I think we're very blessed. We have a lot of amazing people um, who maybe not, not be in our daily lives, but are definitely very prominent in our lives in general. We definitely do have a lot of people <clears throat> who are willing to hear our crazy ideas and not laugh oh, us out of the room. Bless you guys. Bless you so much. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, like when they're talking about the the seed and the soil and all that, people are kind of like an extension of, you know, you've got your clothes, wearing the clothes to prepare your mind and being in a space to also prepare your mind and having people fill that gap between your clothes and the space is sort of like the fertilizer things, chemical reactions and things can happen with them in the room that wouldn't happen if you were just in the space itself. Cause the space isn't going to react back. Like you can do a bunch of crazy dance things and the space just locks everybody else out, which is fine, you know, cause then you can do all the stuff and no one's going to stop you, but no one's going to add anything either. There's, there's not going to be a new synthesis of two different ideas when you are the only person putting ideas into the space. I like it. Yeah, I definitely think that a dance is stronger um, when you have more people involved in it mm. um, because you're, getting, you're able to get different viewpoints from other people that you originally wouldn't. And that in itself is going to help you grow, whether you apply it to the particular dance you're doing now or one in the future. Um, you know, that's, that's a different thing altogether, but you know, knowing that something else is possible, uh, will open you up to considerations at least that you originally wouldn't have thought of. I mean, I, I look at, just watching people dance on the dance floor and their different styles and it sparks things in me that allow me to then be able to be more creative on the dance floor. Um, I've watched so many amazing instructors through lessons and it's made it easier for me to describe certain movements as an instructor or, oh, I'm so totally stealing that. That was a perfect example of how to do that and that movement and everybody got it. I'm so taking that, you know, that way of, of wording something or even, you know, when you're collaborating, when, you know, like I'm talking to you and I'm trying to explain something like how I'm seeing something, you're able to then take your perspective and what I'm trying to say and create a movement of it. I don't know how many times on this new one, I was like, thank you for understanding what I'm trying, what I'm vision envisioning and like actually putting into application. Like, <laughs> thank you for understanding what I'm trying to accomplish here and what I'm trying to do and finding a really cool, funky way of doing it. And I think that's a great way of growing and building. I like that they also mentioned the right time and the right reason because <clears throat> it is important to know when the right time is for what you're trying to put out, whether it's 
the sound is not right for the holiday season. People don't want to necessarily do this kind of dance during the holidays or a whole bunch of people just released their dances because some major event happened. Your dance will get buried. Um, or if you're teaching it at an event and it's the wrong time of day, if you're trying to teach power mix, like last lesson of the day and everyone's tired, then they might not be as enthusiastic about it as if it were say right before lunch. Uh, and if the movements that you're trying to have people do are not familiar to them yet, like, and I've used this example many times, uh, Rebecca Lee with Gimme Gimme, sometimes you just need to wait a while, let other people lay the foundation for those kind of movements a little bit at a time. That way, when yours comes out, they'll already say, oh, I can do this part because I learned this dance six months ago and I can do this part because I learned this one a year ago so all I need to learn is this one new concept as opposed to six new concepts and again you don't want to wait too long because then that one new concept isn't that new concept now it's just everything is derivative of something else and they're not challenging themselves because they've done it all before somewhere so I know Rachel likes to do this with her dances uh, whether or not she said so I'm not sure uh she has one different weird thing that you've probably never done before in a dance, and everything else is very accessible. What she's clever about is uh, pattern establishment and breaking the pattern in a new way that you probably haven't seen before, but it's a pattern of steps that you've done before. So she's just rearranging a lot of it in a way that you're like, okay, no, I can do this because I know I've done side touches before. I know I've done Monterey turns before but I've never gone out of Monterey turns doing a rolling vine or something. Um, but there's still one little sequence. Maybe it's only four counts. Like the little flick, the toe flick, and she used to be mine. I'm sure nobody who's done just the, you know, the majority of line dances that are out there right now has done that unless they're in some partner background, partner dance background, because I cannot recall ever seeing that in a line dance before. The, the pushing your toe into the ground and then flicking it out into the air. She always has one little thing like that, something that you've never seen before that helps you grow and adds to your arsenal of dances, dance movements that you might want to consider in your own choreography. So that's time, also reason. I think it is important to question why you are trying to construct the dance that you are because you can have you know time and people and environment and thought, but if your intent is just to showcase all the movements you know how to do or just to make it as busy and difficult as possible without it being also fun, then you're not going to get, as they say, the right result. You still, at the end of the day, want people to enjoy the experience of doing this dance. <clears throat> or if, let's say we're looking at it from another angle, um, going to your event. You can have great people and a cool city and it's a good time of year. It doesn't conflict with anything. And you've got some catchy gimmick that's going to be a uh, you know, fun theme. But if the reason is you want to make all kinds of money or you want to make them buy your, let's say you, you, you start a side business selling costumes, then you think, okay, that's, uh, that's what I'll do. I'll have a whole bunch of costume changes. So they'll have to buy costumes from me. And that way I'll make all kinds of money, um, by you know, monopolizing whatever this gimmick is. Cause they can't get these co costumes from other places. So they have to get them from my supplier or whatever. 
you know, if, if your reason is not pure or, and, and nothing's wrong with money necessarily, but like if that's, if that's what you're putting ahead of the dancer's experience, if you're not looking at it from the fun aspect, is this something dancers want? Then you're probably, again, not going to get the right result, which is a bunch of people enjoying it and just having another memorable and, and fun experience with line dance. Do you agree? I do agree. Sorry. I was getting a dance update from Amy. Oh. <laughs> Day 16. <clears throat> To be right too soon is to be wrong. Emperor Hadrian Once you find the right people to help stretch your thoughts, find the right environment to expand them. In the right environment, thinking is valued. Ideas flow freely. Fresh eyes, ah, speaking of Amy, are welcome. Change is expected. Questions are encouraged. Egos are checked. <laughs> ideas stimulate better ideas, and thinking generates teamwork. If you're stuck in a wrong environment, find one that encourages you. Ideas are fragile things when they first see the light of day. If you try to implement them too early, or introduce them while there are more naysayers than supporters, they won't survive. While still in the stretching stage of an idea, present it without time frames or rigidly defined goals. Let the idea breathe before you harness it. Every thought has the potential to become something great. When you find a place to stretch your thoughts, you find that potential and it gives you a chance to take that idea as far as it can go. Sometimes a thought is merely a springboard to a greater idea. As I have tried to stretch my thinking, I have discovered that my thinking has stretched me. He does that a lot too, doesn't he? Yes. Thinking has stretched me. What was the other one? My thoughts have shaped me. Very clever. All right. If you've begun, no, let me, I got to give that, that sentence dignity. <clears throat> As I have tried to stretch my thinking, I have discovered that my thinking has stretched me. Raw. If you've, Raw? Begun, <laughs> if you've begun to make progress on the issue that you began to shape your thoughts around two days ago, get together the good thinking Megans in your life <laughs> to help you stretch it or meet with them to talk about another challenge you face. Write your fine-tuned thoughts here and your objectives from the meeting. Line dance in space, go. Okay, no, not line dance in space. Okay, fine. Sorry. Going back in history. Okay. <laughs> so, I can speak personally to how it is very, very important to have ideas with more supporters than naysayers. So I used to be a part of a line dance team and I was definitely the odd man out in the sense that I had all of these ideas that I thought would make everything so much better. Um, but it was not the time nor the place nor the particular individuals at that moment in which to express these ideas. Fortunately, you came along, shared some of the similar ideas that I had had and had many of your own that I was able to either agree with or build on or, you know, vice versa. Um, and we have since gone from there. In the last almost two years now, things have certainly gotten more obtainable for me in achieving those original ideas. For instance, I thought it was really, really important to have... <sighs> cross 
promotional items across, uh, not necessarily training, but um, teaching. So, like, for instance, if they're teaching a dance at Stoney's in Sacramento, I could teach that at Line Dance Club, and I could teach that at Hot Monk in Novato. And that's three different places that people can go to dance this particular dance. And it's not just the, oh, the one that we do at our little teeny tiny place back home and nowhere else does it. And then you go and travel somewhere else and be like, oh, I know, no, I don't know this dance. Just kidding. I know a dance to this song. However, there's about, you know, I don't know, 60 of you and one of me. I'm not going to be the only one on the floor doing my version. Um I thought it was more important to have a little bit more of the unity, not quite so much floor splitting. Um, with that said, also, we've been able to ask people for input as to which dances to learn so that we can teach them. Um, we've also said, hey, we're teaching these dances. If you want to bring them here, then that's one more place we can go and dance that particular dance, you know, and you know, our people particularly really, really enjoy this version of it. You should check it out. Um, and things have gone that way. And it's really nice to know that, um, for example, perfect example, Lonely Drum is done at Stoney's. It's done at our, our Sonoma State Line Dance Club. It's done at Hot Monk. It's done at Dolly's. It's done at Wine Country Line Dance. It's done at Boots and Buckles. I mean, like, it's done everywhere in our Bay Area that people can go and enjoy that particular dance at pretty much any place that they go dancing at. Um, which means you're going to go to that one and be like, oh, I learned this from Cat at Stoney's. That's so cool that you guys do this too. Or, hey, I danced this at you know Boots and Buckles with Marcy and, and Glenn and Carol. That's so cool that you guys do this dance too. It's that really fun unity that you get when you realize that other people are doing the same dances you know you might have never met them before in your entire life but because you both know this dance you're able to have that bond already um and I thought that was really important as opposed to just finding another song switch for you know triple m bop or as we, we do here, Sweet Sensation, or, you know, just like, just another song switch. Okay. Not that I think that those dances need to die out at all by any means. But when there's a really good dance to a really good song, it should not get eaten up by a different dance that wasn't originally choreographed to it. Mm -hmm. And as I've mentioned before, <clears throat> with some of these new dances... Having that dance be introduced to a place gives that choreographer exposure in the local environment. So if they ever come out to do a tour or an event or something like that, people will say, oh, hey, I know a dance by so-and-so. And we can do his or her dance when he comes to the event. I will spend money and go to that event and have a good time. And, of course, in the big big picture of things, the line dance world is stronger. Anytime uh, people are supporting each other in that kind of, especially financial way, but also just putting your body out where there are other dancers, people look at that and say, oh, I guess line dance is alive and well. Uh, if you are just song changing an older dance that is not at risk of dying out on its own, maybe that choreographer hasn't been involved in line dance for 20 years or longer. It doesn't benefit them 
financially. They're not getting royalties off that dance being done, and they're not going to come out and do an event. So they might think, oh, that's cool that people are still doing my dance. That's about as far as that goes. Um, Somebody else who has an actual choreographed dance to that song can get money by coming out and doing that dance or teaching that dance in the area or just dancing it with people who now know it because that dance was shared with people in the area and they can be encouraged in you know pursuing their dream or whatever it is that they enjoy about doing line dance as a, as a roving instructor. Um, and even if, you know, that person never comes out to that area to do that dance, at least, you know, if people are keeping that person's name around, then it sets the stage for maybe sometime in the longer, longer term future, they might come out or it just keeps their statistics high on say the world line dance newsletter teaching survey or the teaching survey that I'm part of, which is a a different survey um, or any of the ones that are done online where people say, Hey, I, I taught this this week. That's another person who has um, shared that person's name online. So now somebody out in like Wichita or whatever can look at that and say, Oh, you know, I've been seeing this person's name a lot. You know, I think I'll try teaching that in in my area and maybe, yeah, they won't go to the first person's area for whatever reason to do a tour, but maybe they'll go to Wichita because now the dance is being done there. And again, it supports these people who are creating new dances and want to do this as a major part of their life. The classics are nice to have around. It's especially fun when the classics are done by people who also tour, AKA Joe. Um, But if it's just being done because that's easy and not terribly challenging um, and doesn't really support the choreographer in any tangible sense, maybe consider looking at uh, a greater good and, and helping to establish somebody else. I noticed this about uh, Madison in particular, where my first year at Vegas, I saw Chris Watson was teaching dances by Madison Glover. No idea who she was. Never did a Google search on her. Thought it was a guy because I, in my head, I was thinking Danny Glover. So like Madison could be a guy's name. I don't know. So I just kind of wrote it off. I didn't really think about it. But little by little, seeing more and more about her and then finding out it actually is a her, um, having the experience of meeting her at places like Pikes Peak and Fun in the Sun and then Vegas. Like Now, it's like all of these little things are, are adding up and I am much more open to the idea of bringing her dances here because she is a person who likes to do the touring teaching thing. So it would help her more to lay a foundation of people knowing her dances in our area as opposed to song changing all these different dances that no one's going to benefit from, as I've already ranted about for the last several minutes. Um, And that way it gives her a new place that she can visit. She can see the lovely San Francisco Bay area. Wine country. Yay. Wine country. And people here get to see this exotic new Australian line dance teacher choreographer. Everybody wins. Everybody benefits. Um, this is not possible without a little bit of uh, encouragement uh, in the form of laying that dance foundation and exposing people to her name, her face, and her dances. 
Do you agree? I do agree very much so. Yay. Day 17. Right people. Right people. <clears throat> Day 17. Great ideas need landing gear as well as wings. I like that. C.D. Jackson. Any idea that remains only an idea doesn't make an impact. The real power of an idea comes when you find a place to land your thoughts with others so that they can be implemented. As you plan for the application phase of your, the thinking process, land your ideas first with yourself. People will buy into an idea only after they buy into the leader who communicates it. If you are unsure about it, it won't fly. Next, you must help influencers to embrace it. After all, they are the people who carry thoughts from idea to implementation. Landing an idea with the influencers in your organization will increase your influence. Then, once you've done that, move your idea to those most affected by it. Landing thoughts with the people closest to changes that occur as a result of a new idea can give you a reality read. And that's important, because sometimes even when you've diligently completed the process of creating a thought, shaping it, and stretching it with other good thinkers, you can still miss the mark. Consider an idea that you want to land by enlisting other people to work with you on implementing it. Once you've landed it with yourself, identify the influencers you will need to embrace it for it to succeed. Plan how you will connect with them. Line dance in space. See, you're stuck on this line dance in space. I'm stuck in history. I was thinking can't walk away is a perfect example. Go for it. Um, well, I heard the song and I wanted to choreograph a dance to it. So I sent it to you and said, we should do something to this. You then said, okay, let's do it. So we started choreographing to it. And then we went, okay, we have a dance. But is it good? <laughs> so we're like, well, who do we know that we've already asked that said they'd be willing to give us feedback whenever we start choreographing on something? Okay, let's send it to all the people. Hence our very long thank you at the end. Um, and we waited patiently as impatient as we were <laughs> um, for the feedback to return. And then we tried all of their feedback. And then we went from there. And then we put out the dance. And then the dance grew. And then we had amazing support from so many different people, from Michelle and Joe and Amy all teaching it, to uh, people having us guest teach it, to other people teaching it all across bars of the United States to what people in France and Canada and like just all over people we've never met before that we're now friends on Facebook because they found our dance and they liked it and they wanted to share with us that they had taught it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where because we took all of those steps and we involved all of those people, I feel like it is what it is. And um, I liked that feeling of having more than just one person on it. So go ahead, go to your line dance in space. I got nothing. I was just throwing it out there. <laughs> I wanted to see if we could land it. <laughs> but it's in space. That's true. You got to get it <laughs> off the ground first. Yeah, I definitely think it is important to look at the realistic possibilities of your ideas so that you don't pat yourself on the back too much for just having the idea. Because often it can feel like you've accomplished something just from thinking differently. 
But if no good is done and nobody is changed and nothing is improved by an implementation of the idea, then what good was the idea? So you mean like all your notes? Notes? All your notes. You said you used to have tons and tons of ideas and you'd write them down as notes. Oh, yeah. Still have them. Do nothing with them. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, I, I definitely have been afraid that they're just going to die with me. <laughs> uh, unused and unshared. And I'm glad that we were able to go over a, a decent chunk of them in the early days of the podcast. <clears throat> but even then, all it's doing is shuffling the responsibility to the listener. Because I can describe the ideas and then put them out into the universe and hopefully somebody will do something with them. But that doesn't make them any more done. That just means somebody else now has the possibility of doing something with them. And actually, that was what was advised in one episode of Tim Ferriss' podcast. I think it was Seth Godin, maybe, or Kevin Kelly, one of the two, I think, uh, who said that they try to give away their ideas. They try to get rid of them. Uh, they, if they have some interesting idea, they share it with everyone they can instead of hoarding it to themselves and thinking like, oh, this is going to be my idea. I'm going to do something cool with it. They try to have somebody else do something with it. And they try to stop thinking about it. Because if they stop thinking about it, it couldn't have been that good of an idea. And if somebody else is able to do something with it, great. That's less work for the thinker of the original thought. But if nobody else is going to do anything with it and they can't stop thinking about it themselves, then, and this was Tim, Tim Ferriss' own example, it becomes more painful to hold on to it than to get it all out. He didn't think of himself as a writer at the time he wrote the four-hour work week. He said that at that point he had been taking notes and he had been talking with people all the time and, and thinking so much about what was going to end up in the content of his book. And he's like, all right, this is getting ridiculous. I'm just going to write it all down and I'm not even going to make it difficult. I'm not going to like try to write a book. I'm just going to write it like a series of emails to couple of my friends and two very specific people with whom I know I can speak in a certain kind of way and they're not going to judge me and they're going to get what I'm saying just based on how I phrase it in the natural conversational way. That's how he wrote the book and it became a New York Times bestseller and it's been put into 40 different languages and sold billions of copies or something. So that seemed to work out well for him. You know, he took the one sticky thought that he couldn't hold in anymore and he developed it and made it an actual publicly usable product and the public used it and they liked it. <clears throat> so that um, might end up being what happens with some of these line dance thoughts that we've discussed. Uh, and we can talk about them and think, oh, that's a great idea. But if it's not that pressing, maybe we just won't get around to it. And then does it really matter if we didn't get around to it and nothing really changed? Uh, and if we eventually stopped thinking about it on our own, if we keep thinking about it, like the idea of having our own space, which just bugs the heck out of, I think both of us that we don't have like a place that you can always go to just switch on the lights, put on some music and either dance dances, you know, or choreograph something that you are trying to experiment with just having that space. We have not solved that problem yet but we know it's a problem and it's still itching somewhere in the back of our mind. Uh, that is going to be one of those things that we can't just think ourselves out of. We're eventually going to have to do something about that or it's going to just be suffering. Yeah. Dance suffering. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to convince my mom to build a dance room in my new house. That would be good. I'd go. I'd visit. Right? I said one socials. half of the garage can be for the dogs and the other half can be for my dance. <laughs> that seems fair. Right? Yeah. <laughs> my brother is competent enough to build a dance floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, now that you mention it, uh, when I was growing up, I shared a room with my sister and when I moved out of that room into this other room of the house, uh, my sister kind of got used to just using half of the room. Uh, So she tore up half of the carpet. Well, not her personally, but she talked to my parents about it. She was really into dance uh, when she was younger and she changed out the mirror, the, uh, the normal closet doors for mirror doors. So she had underneath the carpet, hard wood to dance on. And I think eventually they ended up taking the carpet out of the entire room. So now it's all just hardwood. Uh, but really she just wanted that half of the room to be like a little private dance studio. So she had hardwood, she had mirrors and she didn't have to worry about going anywhere else to practice dance stuff because she, at the time in high school was going to school of the arts in San Francisco, which was kind of, as you might expect, you know, arts focused school and her art was dance. That was her, her in high school, you know, sort of like her major, uh, the program she was on. So that would be, Lovely. That would be ideal. Um, in fact, the Kicking Country Girls locally have this place that they go to. I'm not sure how they got a hold of it, but it's on the upper floor. I don't know if it's the second or third story of the house that they use, but the entire top of this house has been converted into a dance studio. It would be like if you took a person and opened up their head and removed the brain and put in a dance a dance studio. Like that, it, from from wall to wall, window to window, the entire top part is just hardwood floors, a mirror on one whole wall, um, speakers built into the walls. I think they use their own like personal speakers that they set up, but there is, I believe, a way to plug into the built-in speakers as well. And that is just, that looks like heaven. I mean, I would love to have something like that in a place that I lived. Um, and that, like I said, is going to be one of those things that bugs us until eventually we do something about it, because that's not an idea you can give away and hope somebody else runs with, unless the only thing I can think of is a, a cheap mobile, like Uber for dance floors, where they drive their trailer up to your door, and within 10 minutes you're dancing in a private space, but I don't know how you could do that with enough space to be useful when you really want to travel across an entire floor. But yeah, if anyone has an idea, get on it. We'll we'll credit you with the idea. We'll pretend that this conversation never happened. <laughs> oh, and as far as identifying the influencers who will need to embrace it for it to succeed, Facebook. People, it's not even like it's a bad thing. People are out there who want new dances. They want to learn about new choreographers. They want to be among the early adopters of a dance as opposed to the tail end of everyone else has already kind of finished with it when you're discovering it for the first time. So if you do have some new idea that you want to float by people, find out who those eager beavers are and send the new dance or the new choreographer to them because they will be happy to jump on it and spread it to all of their people as long as they think it's something their people will like and something that they will you know, 
feel the fun of getting on the ground floor of. Or just newly discovered old dance. Also good. <clears throat> Bring back more of the classics. Yes. And give them to us. We want all of them. Send us the original step sheets if possible. <laughs> Day 18. Think like a man of action. Act like a man of thought. Whoa. He did it again. Henri <laughs> Louis Bergson. Think like a man of action. Act like a man of thought. What good is thinking if it has no application in real life? I swear, this guy is stealing all my thoughts and putting them in the next chapter. Uh, <laughs> thinking divorced from actions cannot be productive. Learning how to master the process of thinking well leads you to productive thinking. If you can develop the discipline of good thinking and turn it into a lifetime habit, you will be productive all of your life. I'm having trouble grappling with that as a philosophy major. Once you created, shaped, stretched, and landed your thoughts, you need to find a place to fly your thoughts like space. I've, I've observed that high achievers have a natural tendency to jump into any project and start working. They are usually people of action who possess high energy, but to get the kinds of results you want, to fly your thoughts well, give your plans the right amount of thinking time, and you'll find that the implementation time decreases and the results get better. Your thinking time is like the runway of an airport. Just as larger planes need a longer runway to fly, big ideas need a long run runway of thinking to get launched. As I have tried to fly my thoughts, I have found that my thoughts have taken me to new heights. <laughs> As I have tried to fly my thoughts, I have found that my thoughts have taken me to new heights. Amazing! <laughs> Consider an idea that is important to you. Detail your thoughts on how you will implement the idea for maximum results. See, this is where I go wrong. I'm so much the impulse person. I just jump in. I just don't think about it. I just go. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's do it. You know? Um, spending time on thinking? Psh, nah. Nothing comes from spending time on thinking. I'm more of a just jump in and do it. Um, so that helps that you're a thinker. <laughs> Um, I thought my way into a new brilliant quote. Think like a man of space. Act like a man of Earth. Do you see how easy that was to do? <laughs> I'll take my royalty checks now. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I really hope y'all are, like, really enjoying this <laughs> portion of the segment. Um <laughs> Consider an idea that's important. See, that's hard because it's all about, like, choreography and, like, I don't know. It's interesting because it's, if you think too long, then the song passes you by, the moment passes you by, and somebody else uses the track. <laughs> yes, that, that does happen. Um, if you don't think long enough, then you put out something haphazardous. Mm. Yes. Potentially is unsafe for people if you don't run it through enough bodies. Somebody might have some trick knee and you didn't give enough thought to people with trick knees, so 
now people everywhere are getting injured because of your choreography. Yeah. Um, I think it is important to take a moment and really think about like what it is that you want to accomplish. I think it's important to write it down and put it into a black and white. Um, I also think it's very important to think of like, how are you going to start doing it and then do it? Um, for instance, like you were saying how, or well, I guess that's technically I was saying, but, um, how you were talking about for a while, changing your sleep patterns and how you've heard on all these different things and all these different podcasts. And Tim Ferriss said this about, you know, getting better night's sleep and starting with, you know, eating early and, you know, it's like all of that. And finally you made the decision to put it into action. Um, so I think that's where some of that really comes into play is, where do you hold yourself accountable? Um, same thing with like choreography. We are notorious for waiting till the last minute. We tell ourselves each time, why do we wait till the last minute? Um, we should start on this earlier and we find songs and then just kind of, it just gets away from us and we just go like, oh yeah, I like that track. Let's do something to it. Okay. Yeah. It sounds good. And then nothing. So I think I think we need to might maybe uh need to detail a better plan for that one. It's hard when when you can choreograph a bunch of dances in one day and then like I don't know, maybe it's part of the scapegoat thing too. Where it's like, "Oh, well yeah, I mean we didn't put our best foot forward on that one, so naturally it wouldn't have taken first. <laughs> I don't know. As I have tried to compete my dances, I have found it that my dances compete with me. <laughs> okay. I don't... You Next find thought. The to Next that. thought. Next thought. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, we're at day 18, and it is the 18th of January. I'm going to look through uh, and see whether anything else has done to him what he has done to the things. Boy, I'm sure every couple of pages he has a new one. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, looks like maybe he changes it up around. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe that was the last one. Maybe he grew past his tautological it. thinking after I, day 18. I doubt it. I doubt it. I'm sure one will sneak up on us and then we're going to laugh. Yeah. All right. Up to day 30. I don't see any. So we're we're safe for the next couple of weeks because you'll be hearing a lot about this book in the next couple of weeks. I... Well, I, I still enjoy it. Oh, um, I like it. <clears throat> even if we don't do it every week, I like that we um, we are, are gaining these bursts of brilliance from John C. Maxwell that bring us back to land as well as space. 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 Yeah. 2.52. Um, I think uh, we can open it up to free-form thoughts on the bigger picture of what we've read thus far oh i was just thinking how i'm excited that next week we will be in palm springs where it's not so rain and overcast mm. and there's gonna be a bunch of pink flamingos everywhere mm -hmm. which reminds me i need to start making my tutu and mm. yours yes um <laughs> palm springs winter break that is uh the what is it, the thursday of next weekend through sunday mm -hmm. then after that we're in big bang yep Big Bang, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm certainly excited to see Michael and Michelle, and especially Amy and Darren, who I haven't seen in a while. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, 
Oh, yeah, no, I'm very excited to be back to Palm Springs since it's been a year. It's kind of fun to think about, like, last year Palm Springs was when I started demoing with people. Mm. So it's kind of been a full year of that, and that's kind of fun and exciting to know that that's where it all started for me. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's some dances that actually I should probably pull out of the binder and take a look at and see uh, as far as what will likely be played and what we should learn or review before we get there. I know that there are a couple dances by Michael Barr that I have found online in the time since last event I was at with, with him. hair. Yeah, Lots of hair. Big old bushy hair. <laughs> uh, there's one called Fiona that samples uh, Time of the Season by, I believe, the Zombies and uh, adds additional lyrics to it. And that one looks fun. I, I want to do that one. I don't think I've... I don't recall... A time that I've done the dance I wanna with him on the floor. If I, oh, if I have, it would be a vague memory. I would like I would like to do that one with him as well. We've done um, "Tell Your Heart to Beat Again" plenty of times, as well as "Beautiful Goodbye." I would like to learn "Rain Against My Window" uh, before we see him, uh, them next week. Uh, I would like to do "Empty Pockets" with Michelle, and I don't know. I wonder if they would play "Go Grease Lightning" at this event. It might be more of a boogie kind of dance. Uh, I got to do that in Vegas with Michelle the first year. Nice. Um, and then there was another... Wow, what's your name? Yeah, what's your name? I, I want us to both be able to do that, like with knowing them. what all the steps are, not like following, but actually having learned it. I learned it so long ago at this point, I need the review. Oh, yeah. And let's see, where did I put my dance binder? It I don't is know. Somewhere. Is it in the car? It looks like it might be in the car. I wonder if it's in the car. Is it behind that pile of... Oh, there it is. Red binder. I will take that red binder. We are very organized here at Line Dance Podcast. We have a system of binders. Sort of of organized. This binder has all of the lists of dances that have been done at all of the events or venues that uh, we go to. Uh, Let's see. So we've got... This would have been 2017. Oh, And it would have been late January. Oh, there we are. So we have January 26th. This is back when it was still called Palm Springs Line Dance Event. I see a lot of familiar dances. Oh, we should probably pick Divisadero Cha back up. We learned yeah, that one that last year. Yeah, that was a year. good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Under the Sun. That's a cute one. Um, Kathy Chang. And they do that one at Boots and Buckles, so we should probably get on that one as well. <clears throat> Local favorite. I did get Islands in the Stream uh, back at Worlds recently. I do not know what Guiding Star is or Caught in the Act. Palm Springs Jump, I think they taught either last yes. year or, yeah, uh, unless it was like a previous year one that they were seeing if people still remember. But I think it was last year. <clears throat> Champagne on Ice, I do not recognize. Uh, there's Iwana, which we're going to be getting back. Uh, Cha-Cha Sway slash Sway with me. Mama Africa. That, I believe, was Gerard's dance. Oh, Gerard Murphy. Yeah. Okie dokie. Oh, Razor Sharp. We should get that one back. We did that one in preparation for Florida. And then we kind of followed it at Worlds until we got it back. Uh, Chingford Cha. I don't recognize that one. I, I It sounds familiar, but I don't know what it would be mm. in it. MJ Moves. I think they did that one because Michelle Perrone was there. And she won't be there this year, so I don't yeah, know if they're going to Michelle and Joe are both there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, History. I don't know that one. Crab Bucket. 
What are these dances? <laughs> uh, regressa. Round your finger. Yeah, it looks like we got some homework. We do. After we choreograph dances. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Roses and Violets. That one's Amy's. We'll probably play that one again since she'll be there again. Uh, why Baby Why. That, I believe, was Madison's. I don't know if they're going to play that one this year. Uh, let's see. Tuesday Blues. Oh, Tango With Me, Darling. I don't expect to see that one necessarily. Uh, I actually haven't seen that one at a few events lately. Lipstick Tango, I expect to see. Oh, I hope so. We got to dance that one today. I got to dance it yesterday with Dolly's class. Uh, wow, we have three more pages of these? Holy cow. Yep. Let me know if anything jumps out at you. Uh, let's see. Looking at the 27th. Oh, I don't know if we're going to end up getting Don't Back. That one's by Amy. Uh, turn down the lights. Creedum? I don't know what that was. Creedum. I have seen that at previous events. Uh, let's see. Live Too Fast. Carolina Moon. I don't know what these dance. Kira's uh, Waltz. Right? I was like, I don't even remember these. Yeah. Oh, this was American Pop. I wonder who did Blank Space. The Way. Martini Time. I've heard of Martini Time. Mm, waltzing at Twilight? Oh, I guess they did Shoes of Another Man last huh. year. I don't remember seeing it, but I believe it. Because then shortly after that, they have Jukebox, and that was the year that Joe was there. Interesting. Bound to You. Oh, Whatever Happens. That's that Michael Jackson song, I think. I like that one. They used that as a West Coast Swing at Worlds uh, when we were there. All right. And we have Way Down We Go. I like that song. I think that was Will Craig. Uh, Black Coffee. Yay. I actually did learn that one, and I got to follow it at Worlds. Uh, The Bomb, yeah. I learned that at Joan Price's class. I don't remember it, but I could probably pick it back up. Bar of the Bronx, that one was Michelle Perone. Uh, let's see. Have you ever seen The Rain? I've seen them do that before. <clears throat> oh, wave on wave. I'll get that back someday. Do It. I wonder what Do It is. And Beneath It All. Evergreen's a classic. I might get that one back. These Eyes. Ultraviolet, I think, was Gerard's. Yeah. That was one that we learned there, actually. Yes. Uh, let's see. It does it for oh soul food. I've seen soul food done before. And then the last day here of last year's event. Oh, we should probably get San Antonio stroll back. Probably. Yeah, that's a pretty easy one. We could probably even give that to, or not give that. Bring that to um, Hot Monk. Uh, let's see. Ipanema girl. I've taught that one before. That one's Rubens. Mm-hmm. Uh, All heaven allows. Wow, ST1. I forgot that was taught there. Soledad Stomp. Big Blue Tree. Has anybody seen my gal? I like that song. That's uh, Five Foot Two, Eyes of Blue, but oh, what those five feet can do. Has anybody seen my gal? Great song to sing during my guitar sets and... If I learn it by next week, maybe it'll be a good one to dance as well. All right. The time is now 3 o'clock Pacific time, which is about the wrap-up time for Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. We would like to thank you all for tuning in each and every week. I was looking at the stats on uh, who listens and from where, and I don't have the screen in front of me, so we'll give you all shout-outs next week. And uh, 
and break down where the, the greatest number of listeners are from. We've noticed a few in Ontario, a good number in the UK, um, different parts of the United States, Mountain View. I kind of wonder who's in Mountain View that's tuning in. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll go over those in a future week. Any final thoughts from Megan? If anybody has any ideas about line dance in space, let us know. Indeed. <laughs> Fire a capsule on over uh, in this direction and parachute it down onto the front lawn. That's brick. That's actually, yes, it's brick. <laughs> There's brick and rocks on the lawn and then weeds growing in between. If anyone has any leads on new places to live in Rohnert Park, California, you let me know. The lower price range, preferably. <laughs> All right. Until next time, Megan and I will be very happy to see, see you, you on, on the dance, dance floor. floor.